Back in March of this year, I, I went to an event that's part of the school. I'm, I'm training in the living school. And I ran into one of my friends uh, one morning. I get up very early when I'm in strange places because that way I can get all of the morning, my morning ritual, my reading, my journaling, and all that out. And so I sat down across the table from him. He had his journal and his Bible and his books, and I had my scary stack of books and my journal and my Bible, and we were both journaling. And, and I noticed that he created a little column on the side of his, and I, I didn't know exactly what he was doing, so I said, listen, everybody has a different journaling practice. Just what you want. First thing in the morning, you're trying to journal. Someone interrupts you and asks you a question. I said, he's sitting at a public table, so I'm asking him, you know, what are you doing? You know, what is, uh, what's, what are you doing? And he said, well, one of the things I do, first thing every morning in my journal, I create a column, and I write ten things about which I'm thankful. And I said, well, that's really cool. That sounds like a good plan. So I came back from, uh, from that April event, uh, and I didn't start. Didn't do anything in April. You know, didn't, it was actually March. Didn't do it in March, didn't do it in April, didn't do it in May, did not do it in June, July, August rolls around. I don't even know how it came to my little mind because Lord knows there's one firing neuron in that thing and if the firing neuron stops the firing, we're in trouble. But on August the 15th, I looked at my journal, August the 15th, I created a column and I wrote down 10 things I was thankful for. And it did kind of change the way the morning felt for me. Of course, then August the 16th came, completely forgot to do it. You know, it's a different page in the journal. August 17th, I realized that I had forgotten to do it. So on August the 17th, create a little column in my journal and write 10 things I'm thankful for. And since August the 17th, every single day begins with that journal. If you looked through my journal, and I discourage you from doing it, first of all, it looks like scrawl. Linda said, you don't have to ever worry that anyone's going to find any of your secrets, James, because if they look at it, they will have no idea what this is. This might, be, might as well be Egyptian hieroglyphs for all that it's legible to the average human being. But if you look, there are some days when I write the date and I write 10 things I'm thankful for, and maybe one sentence is all that comes out of me. Now, there are days when there's eight pages of journaling. Depends on the day. But I begin with that, and it has reshaped my mind and heart around thankfulness. Every day begins being thankful. So much so that I'll get out of bed in the morning semi-begrudgingly, although my sleep app tells me I'm a lark, I like to be awake in the morning, I think it has no idea how I feel, and it just has decided to call me a lark. However, the first thing I open my eyes in the morning, I often find myself already starting to be thankful for something. And it's like, I can't wait to get to the journal because I've got these things to be thankful for. And it changes your attitude. The funny thing is, two weeks ago, I went to a training event uh, down in South Carolina. And while I was at the training event, in one of the sessions of the training event where they were talking about clergy self-care, because apparently we're terrible about caring for ourselves. I don't know if that's true or not. I care for myself pretty well, it feels like. But uh, in, in one of them, 
they talked about how important it is to be thankful. And they said, you know, it's most important before you go to sleep at night so you can let go of things. Think of three things that's happened today that you can be thankful for and be thankful. And if you have a significant other with whom you share, share those three things. And each of you has the opportunity to share what's going on. And it's an opportunity to kind of slip off from all the heaviness that sometimes sneaks up on you at the end of the day for the last thing to be in your mind, something you're thankful for. And one of the things she said is they have discovered that they did a study and it was apparently published in, you know, like one of those physician's journals that it rewires your neural pathways. It rewires your neural pathways because whether you realize it or not, you set a bunch of neural path pathways in your life and you start responding to anything that scares you the same way you responded was when you were three. The exact same way. You might even throw the same tantrum, the exact same words come out of your mouth. You know, you might stomp off. We behave in the same way that we behaved when we were three sometimes. Because our neural pathways get set in our brains. And we have to break the habit and break the pathway. So there's science behind this. If you begin to be thankful on a daily basis and make it a regular practice, it changes your response to life. Now, I'm not going to say that you're going to step out off the curb and someone's going to run over your foot with their heavy car and you're going to say, thank you so much. But it might change the way that you encounter the world in which you uh, live. If you can enter the world every morning thankful that you're alive, that you're breathing, that your brain still, you know, basically functions. All of those things change who you are. Change who you are and allow that person to be revealed. I wanted to share with you a psalm because I think we, I think they're underutilized. A lot of people don't know what to do with the psalms. Some of the psalms are kind of scary. You know, the one about, uh, you know, smash my enemy's children's head against rocks, that is kind of a rough one. Uh, but one of the things you uh, find out about the psalmist is they were totally honest when they talked to God. Totally honest. I'm really ticked off. Last week you showed up, God. This week you did not show up at all. What kind of a God are you? Where are you hiding? Dude, dudette, whoever you are, you're sometimes the most pointless being I ever have talked to because I don't see you, I don't hear you, I don't talk to you. What's going on? Are you taking a nap? These psalmists were not afraid to talk to God exactly about how they were feeling. You and I try to dainty it up. Oh, thou who lovest me most beautifully and bountifully. Those are wonderful words. But if you're not feeling like God's loving you beautifully and bountifully, then you need some other words. Do you know what the desert fathers and mothers, when they went out into the desert, said that the most important thing, even more important than extemporaneous prayer was chanting the Psalms. Chanting the Psalms. This is in the third century. Chanting the Psalms. Because in it, they found God. In all the myriad ways you can feel about God. One of those ways, though, is expressed in Psalm 100. 
Praise the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord gladly. Come into God's presence with songs of joy. Know that the Lord is God. God made us and we belong to God. We are God's people, the flock that God pastures. Walk through God's porticos giving thanks. Enter the courts praising God, giving thanks to God. Bless God's holy name. Yes, God is good. God's love is everlasting. God's faithfulness endures from age to age. Now, as I thought about this practice of thankfulness, because I called this sermon when I wrote this uh, message, I was thinking about the fact that thankfulness needs to become a discipline. It's not something that's just going to happen naturally. You know, you might naturally, can you remember when, you, maybe your parents did this, maybe your parents don't. Maybe you are parents and you do this. But somebody gives your child something, you say, now say thank you. Or you give something to your child and you say, what do you say? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It depends on what the thing is. You know, uh, I say, yay, why wasn't it blue? I mean, you know, whatever, you know, but thank you. Thank you. Those are the magic words, please and thank you, I was told. They, they don't do magic anywhere. I, I have tried them. They do not magically, please open the door. When you're reasoning with a toddler who will not open the door for you, there is no magic that unlocks the door. Please unlock the door. Pretty please with sugar on top. Still doesn't work. Nothing magical, you know, doesn't do anything at all, except it does. If thanks can become something more of a habit, not just to say the word because you were always taught to say it, but because somewhere deep inside you, in your soul, in your very heart, you are thankful. You are thankful. Now, one of the challenges to being thankful, I am convinced, is we live in a world of entitlement. I assume you owe me something, you know, and, and let's just be honest. When you're born, you don't know any better. You assume somebody better feed you, somebody better change you, somebody better hold you, you know, when you're upset or crying because you don't know anything. The problem is when you get to be an adult, if you are still expecting someone will feed you, someone will hold you when you're crying every single time, and someone will change you, <laughs> You're in trouble. You're in trouble. At some point, we have to move from being entitled and expecting that God owes us something to recognizing that everything we have from God is a gift. This moment is a gift. This opportunity to be in this room, it's a gift. The fact that the heat works is a gift. Except to the projector on the ceiling where all the heat is, if you are cold, we will give you a ladder. You can climb up, and if you get up about 15 feet off the floor, it's at least 20 degrees hotter up there. <laughs> 20 degrees hotter up there. I have gone up there when I was spotted by someone. I do not climb the ladder without spotters. Disclaimer, disclaimer. I used to. But it's hot up there. 
the top. The truth is, everything in this life is a gift. Every breath that I take is a gift. I'm not promised. I'm not promised that I'm going to get this next breath. Everything that comes to me is a gift, and most of it doesn't always seem that way. A lot of what comes my way sometimes feels like a challenge. I don't know about you. Do, you. do you ever feel challenged by life? Do things come your way that you weren't expecting? You know, and uh, then you're trying to do something with it. And it's, you know, unexpected is okay. If it's good. You know, suddenly you were expecting to have to pay the IRS and you do your taxes and it turns out they owe you $1,000. Oh, suddenly, oh, you're rich. <laughs> My tax guy would say, no, it means you're an idiot. You gave $1,000 away that should have been yours the whole time. And it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, tax dude, thanks for stealing my joy. Not writing you a check either. So it's when the unexpected is not so happy that we have difficult times. We have difficult times. One of the practices, another practice in my life, I'm not necessarily encouraging you to take it up, but it has, it, it grows out of the centering prayer practice, um, and it's the welcoming prayer. We've used it here before. I've put it in the printed update, but it's, a, it's an invitation to welcome. I, I pray this every morning. I pray this as I'm going to sleep every night. I pray this in the middle of the day. The welcoming prayer simply welcomes whatever comes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome whatever comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. So when you say something to me that's mean, my response is to let it go. Because I'm the one that experienced it. You may not even have meant it as me. James, why did your sermon go for 25 minutes instead of 20 minutes? You might be asking an informational question, not criticizing the length of my sermon. But I heard it as criticism. So what does that teach me about me? How can I come and find healing for myself because what I experienced from you taught me something about who I am? It may have taught me something about you too. It may mean that you're mean. But uh, it also touches upon my insecurities. So everything that comes to me, I welcome every thought, feeling, emotion, person, situation, and condition. Can you welcome all those things in your everyday life? It's my intention to welcome them all. Sometimes I succeed, and sometimes I don't. And after you've welcomed those things, I let go of my desire for power and control. Oh boy. <laughs> Might as well just stop right there, baby, because I am a control freak. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval. Boy, would I love your approval and pleasure. I want everything to be pleasurable for me. I let go of my desire for security and survival. Like it's mine, like I'm entitled to it. I let go of it and just am thankful for what does come. I let go, now here's the hard one. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. How many people have I tried to fix in my life? And if they only listened to me, they would be fixed. Because they'd be like I told them to be. And it would make them so much easier to deal with. Because they would be the way I wanted them to be. 
not who they are. And after I've said all of that, the last thing is, I open to the love of God, God's presence and action within me. Because I've intended to let go of those things. Now, I have to say that welcoming prayer multiple times. And each day there are different things that come my way. My desire for pleasure. My desire to control. How many times have I told you in a sermon, if you've known me for the 28 years I've been in St. James, you know I've mentioned my desire to control all of the variables in my life multiple times. And how, I'm, uh, how that's going for me. Not so good. Not so good. It doesn't work that way. You see, once I've learned to let go of all of those things and receive instead what comes to me as a gift. Sitting in this room with you while you're sitting and I'm standing. But being in this room with you is a gift to me. Whether you listen to me or not, the fact that we're here together, that's a gift. The fact that Almost all of you with whom I've had a conversation have shared something honestly about who you are. That's a gift. You've given me the gift of you. And sometimes I see the you that you only wish you could see. I wish you could see just how beautiful you are. How Christ-like each one of you already are. And that's what God wants to reveal in you. But I want to tell you the most stubborn person about being able to see the goodness and the godliness inside themselves is you. <laughs> we want to see it somewhere else. We want to imagine it's out there in the galaxy somewhere and that someday we'll go and be with it. And God put it in you. You don't have to read very far in the Bible. How many times have I quoted Genesis one twenty six to you? Let us make human beings in our image, God says. In our image. You bear the image of God. No matter what the reformers said. You bear the image of God. Live like it. Accept it. Love like the image of God could be reflected in you. And like every being you encounter reflects it back. How would that look like? Next time you're in an argument with somebody, when you suddenly say, what if this was Jesus? Would I be arguing like this? Especially with some of the words I'm using. Some of the anger I'm feeling. Some of the underhanded way I'm winning this argument by pulling the rug out from the other person. Is that how I would talk to Jesus? Yeah, probably. So you just keep going. But hopefully you'd say, no, this, is, this person is the image of Christ. This is the image of God I'm talking to. I can't talk to the image of God like this. I have to find another way to express myself. I have to let go of these things. Because you see, if I learn one thing from Psalm 100 when I read it, is I was created by God. I was made by God. You were created by God. You were made by God. I really hate the old adage, God don't make no junk. But, especially since it's a double negative and my English just twists inside. My ninth grade teacher would have be horrified. She called me an astute perpetrator of the English linguistic patterns. She would not think that was particularly astute. 
but God made you. God wants you to be you. He doesn't want you to be someone else. Listen to these words again. Praise the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord gladly. Come into God's presence with songs of joy. Know that the Lord is God. God made us. We belong to God. So anything we get from this life is the gift. God made you. That's a gift. Your gift, I hate that thing too. Your gift is to give back to God what God already gave you, blah, blah, blah. But uh, if it works for you, hey, work it. Work it. We are God's people, the flock that God's pastures. Have you ever seen how shepherds watch out for their sheep? That's our God. Walk through his gates and giving thanks, enter his courts, praising him, give thanks to him, bless his name. Yes, the Lord is good. And you know how I know? Because I see you. I see God's goodness in you. God's love is everlasting. It is the foundation for everything. What we do here every Sunday, it doesn't matter if, it doesn't, if it's not founded in love. Because that's the foundation for everything. Love. It's who we are. God's faithfulness endures forever. God never gives up on you. You may give up on God. I've done it a couple of times in my life. But God never gives up on you. I think long before it was ever stated in Galaxy Quest, God said, never give up, never surrender. All right, sorry, I had to, you know, I can't use video clips anymore because we stream, so I have to, every once in a while, make allusions to my favorite movies. Next week, Princess Bride. So, uh, how are you at giving thanks? Is it a part of your life? Is it a discipline you live into? Because it will reshape the way you see life. will reshape who you are because when you live from a place of giftedness of having received the goodness of God then the way you respond to life is as one who has been gifted with this life to live when something bad comes your way if you weren't alive you wouldn't have experienced it so I'm not saying look for bad things to happen invite them Come over here, beat me up, rob me, steal my car. That's what I was hoping for. Yay, alive. No. But if you receive God as the receive God as the gift God wants to be for you and receive life as the gift God has given you, you respond to life differently. So, your assignment this week, it is after all Thanksgiving. Practice every day this week being thankful. When you get up in the morning, okay, if you forget and you get to work because until you've had six cups of coffee, you don't even know your own name. <laughs> when you get to work or wherever it is you're going, pull out a post-it note from your pile and write down 10 things you're thankful for. And do that every day this week. I promise you, by the third day, 
you'll start to feel a difference about the days as you enter them. It will begin to change your attitude. Three weeks, your attitude will definitely be different. Three months, okay, that's about how far I've gone. And, uh, you know, I've only been doing it, as I told you, August the 16th, and I missed the 17th. So uh, we're only on month three now. But practice. Practice being thankful. Not just on Thanksgiving Day when you're gathered at the table with someone and thanks for this work, this year and these people around the table and the turkey or the ham or the crab cakes or whatever it is you eat for Thanksgiving, you know, uh, well, why not crab cakes? <laughs> that was baby Jesus' favorite food. So uh, shellfish, good Jewish boy, didn't eat that, James. I know. Testing you. You passed. Be thankful every day this week. And if you find that it's helpful for you, be thankful every day next week and the week after. Because as you write those things down, it changes things for you.